Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, today, David Morrison and I sit down and continue our Pathways to Present series. Uh, and this week, we, or the, yeah, this month, we are looking at guidance and kind of how that fits into uh, spiritual life, um, continued spiritual evolution, and um, just how that, some of the positives and negatives from that aspect of it. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background right now. If you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community, uh, theruined.com is the place to go. And drcrpod.com is the place to go to find other episodes. And congratulations to us. This is our 100th episode we're posting. I know it is numbered at 81, but we didn't number some of the other episodes. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Uh, Word of mouth and social media really helps us out. And if you are interested in purchasing David's book, uh, Desolate Beauty, a book of haiku, uh, please check out dreamwalkerway.com. And we appreciate you. And let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. David Morrison. Hola, sir. Hola, sir. We are, this will be released the last Tuesday, not Thursday, last Tuesday of November. So we just finished up Thanksgiving and continuing our 2022 uh, tradition, I guess, or series, series, sub series. That's a better word. Series, <laughs> uh, pathways to presence. We have two more topics. Uh, this month we are talking about guidance and what that looks like, um, on an individual level, on a communal level, um, and specifically regarding, uh, spiritual growth. And for those uh, that maybe haven't heard any of the previous uh, Pathways to Presence, we're using Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster as a uh, topic generator. A map. A map. That's, yeah. A charcoal drawn map. (laughs) It's a book that both David and I have connected with um, in our past. And uh, these disciplines seem to be helpful, uh, have been helpful to us, and we've witnessed other people it'd be helpful to them. So, um, yeah, this is our second to last one. I think the last one for December is celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe the year's already coming to a wind down. Wind down, baby. Um, so yeah, so I guess we'll start off with, um, uh, I think I'd like to focus on the similar to what he did in his, his description, but sort of focus on the community aspect first around around guidance and then sort of transfer and and before we turned on the mics we talked about there's a lot of overlap um, yeah this is an overlapping topic yeah to a lot of the the um episodes we've done in the past one of them being the anamkara um that we did in the spring of 2021 um, so I'll, I'll make reference to some of those other in-depth episodes since we're just going to kind of be highlighting things here and there. But, um, 
So yeah, so to get us started off, David, if you could just sort of lay out um, what your understanding of, of guidance in a, in a community sense is, and, and then we'll sort of evolve into your personal, uh, I'm feeling brain dead today. Uh, experience with it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, sir. <laughs> sometimes, you gotta, me out. <laughs> sometimes you got to joggle it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I think we've done episodes on discernment, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same way, you know, it's, we all need to discern from time to time the direction of our lives. And so if you're committed to a family or a, or a spiritual group of any sort, um, from time to time, you have to get together and kind of figure out uh, the direction the group should go for what season, you know, what's right, right for this time. And, um, and I've seen all, you know, I've seen different models with it. We've done different models throughout the years. And, uh, but it, yeah, so, so that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, and one thing that is kind of came to me as I was uh, reviewing this chapter and, and thinking about this idea of guidance, but very much in um, American culture, we are very connected to this idea of the individual. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Whatever that means. You know, go and go and go out and conquer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're responsible for your individual destiny. Right. Um, and one of the things that, uh, Foster talked about in the early church about it being, um, it wasn't a democracy. They used this idea of everybody has the is on this on, um, oh, what's the word on board, right? With an idea, right? It's a consensus, right? The, the community would come to a consensus about about things prior to moving in, in one direction or the other, which I feel is very countercultural um, to American society, but yeah. specifically to um, this idea of the individual. And so um, it, sort of a big picture question is like, how, how do you see that idea of communal consensus? How can that be either implemented or why would it be important to implement in, in 2022 in the context of you know, the United States. Yeah. Cause I, I think because we're so myopic in our own and I've, I've bitched and moaned about that on here before that we're too individualized, mm-hmm. hyper individualized. So then you can't really see because you're so you've magnified yourself so much, you know, it's like looking through a magnifying glass and mm-hmm. using that as glasses, you know, to see far away. <laughs> and so, you know, so we're, we're community, you know, I mean, even not just spiritually, but, even evolution in an evolutionary sense. I mean, we're mammals, right? Mm-hmm. As as the song says from the '90s, from the Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> and uh, how do I even remember they, that? They, are, they articulate it very, uh, <laughs> very classy. If you guys want to go check that out. <laughs> and, and what made mammals? Mammals were not the strongest. You know, the, only the strong survived. That's not true. Uh, the organized survive. Mm-hmm. And so mammals were able to network with one another. That was their strong suit. And that's how, you know, we've been able to, to develop, if you will, as yeah, the human race. And, uh, 
And so, yeah. And then if you, if you say there's a biblical guide to guidance, you know, there's a biblical model. Uh, well, which one? (laughs) So you, you see the Jerusalem church, you know, there wasn't one church right in the, in the new Testament time period. There was was numerous ones that were spread out, right? There's one mystical body, but, but as far as physical organizations and meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. gatherings of people, uh, so the Jerusalem church in the book of Acts, you often see the phrase, uh, they'll say it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Mm. So they would gather together, pray. And what that meant was they would say they'd wait on the spirit. So they would get a, a sense. Someone would speak prophetically and they'd tell the person to, yeah, ah, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, let's continue to, uh, you let's even keep, see, let's keep waiting. Yeah. <laughs> You even see an Acts them using some sort of gambling device, throwing bones to mm. discern the will of God, which is people don't like th- that reference very much, you know. Um, yeah, just got to flip that coin and see what, yeah. see what God wants. <laughs> you have uh, these smaller churches in the in the pagan churches, uh, and I don't mean that dry, in a derogatory way. They they were non Jewish, right? Uh, primarily non Jewish groups that met in homes, mm. Roman, Roman-esque homes throughout the, the empire that Paul was. And so they would get involved in some really bizarre, crazy stuff, which I appreciate him addressing those in letters. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's thinking it's good that this, I think a guy was sleeping with his mother. Maybe, I think English <laughs> translators have changed to have, mother-in-law cause it's too scandalous. Have, yeah, maybe have toned it down a little oh, bit. It can't be his mother. Uh, and so Paul had like that that was an autocorrect. We'll, we'll fix it for him. <laughs> yeah. And so Paul, as an apostle, right, who started those the you know, that church, had to write them and say, What the hell are mm. you doing? And so you had to have some outside voices that would come in. And so so it's it's a mess, is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. it's a mess trying to organize your life. It's a mess trying to organize any kind of group. Uh and so I think it's a glorious mess sometimes though. Sometimes it can be dangerous. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be abusive. Right. Like we've talked about it on, I think on submission. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always bad actors everywhere. And especially in the church, because you assume everyone is there with with pure motives. Mm-hmm. You know, you go in, at least I did. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I went in with an innocence and a naivete, thinking that uh, everyone here is just seeking Jesus. And no, a lot of them are using it as a means to power over others and money for money yeah. and those kinds of things. And so you have to look out for all of it. You don't mm-hmm. get an exemption. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that, that was um, one of the things you just brought up with this, was this, um, cause I agree with you in this idea of, the, of a glorious mess, right? Yeah. It's easier to not, I don't think it's avoidable, but that's a whole different topic, but it's easier to not live in community. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. because you don't have all the different, uh, personalities, you know, you know, all the things you can list, all the negative yeah. things you can, you can look for and find pretty easily. But one of the things that, um, I was reminded of for this episode was this idea of being willing to listen. Yeah, that's key. That was one of the things he talked about in, in some of this discernment, um, especially on the community level, because, like from my own experience, I know I can latch onto an idea or a quote unquote solution. And then it's like, oh, this, 
this is it. You know, like this is right. the right. And this fits every time in every situation. <clears throat> and then I can run it by, you know, whether we're using desert rain as an example of running it by people here or in, a, you know, the family community or, yeah. you know, my recovery community, whatever it might be. And someone being like, well, maybe that might be right, but maybe not. You know, right. that you, did you think about this? And, and, you know, and the older I've gotten, I like to think I'm, I'm more willing to listen. Hmm. Whereas before, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I would, I would listen so I could find the opening in your argument where, where your hmm. argument fails. Right. Yeah. And, um, and just for the purpose of proving my point, right. Yeah. You know, even if the, the point, the larger point that someone is making is, is overall more correct. Yeah. <laughs> I had this idea of like, Oh, I want to be correct. You know what I mean? And, um, and I still can fall into that direction. You know what I mean? Like that, but now I, I found it now that sometimes with time I can come up, like, you know, maybe walk away from a conversation and two or three days later be like, oh, like, right. okay, that actually that does make more sense. And I can go back to that person and, and talk to them or, you know what I mean? Whatever, go back to the group. Yeah. Um, but I, so I guess my question to you would be, you know, sort of how, how has the listening um, evolved in your, um, your spiritual practice as far as, as being part of com community, whether, you know, it was your teaching community or the church community yeah. or, or desert rain. Yeah. I, I think listening is definitely a key. Uh, in fact, there's a quote from, uh, a community, I guess, leader of the, of the Reba house mm, in yeah. Chicago. Up in Chicago. Yeah. And we had, a an acquaintance of ours, right? Josh McAllister visit here and, ta yeah, and taught us some things about community. And Him and his wife were living yeah, in the Reba house at the time. And I believe he passed away uh, recently, yeah, within the last year or so. Um, a young man, too, yeah, yeah, of yeah, cancer. I think, he, I think he was younger than me, actually. Yeah, it was a tragedy. We yeah. need, so we need people like him. Um, yeah, and that quote was, if I can't listen to my brother and sister, then there's no way I can hear the spirit, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I forgot the question <laughs> just because I wasn't how, listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were, cause you're answering it, but just the, the evolution for you personally listening when it comes to being a part of, of community and being part of, yeah. um, not decision-making like you're making the decision, but the yeah. community's making a decision. Well, I guess to go further back, I guess my models were, I guess, uh, authoritarian when I was younger, right? Mm. You had the teacher tell you what to think, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, parents, the priest, the priest would tell, you know, and then, uh, the priest had a, so it was higher, you know, it was a, definitely a, a patriarchy and a hierarchy, right? The priest had, you know, would tell us, mm -hmm. his bishop would tell him mm -hmm. and the archbishop would tell him and that gets to be larger groups. The you cardinal. Know. Yeah. Anyways. So, and then it went into the charismatic world, which was more, there was a little bit more leeway, but the pastor is still seen as the chief visionary and your job is to listen to that and, uh, take notes. So I, so I just transferred that over to when I became a pastor and mm -hmm. kind of had that, uh, I, I don't think I boss people around, but, uh, Maybe I did. I don't know. If well, did, you were working. I'm open to an email or conversation <laughs> about it to rectify that. 
but you were you were also going off the model because you were very young, not very young, but you were fairly young when you started pastoring, right? Right. Yeah, and, and so teaching. Were, yeah, and so you were just public going off school. the models that you you had seen. Yeah, maybe a better example would be in public school. So I realized as a teacher because uh, day one they're calling me Doogie Hauser, which is an <laughs> '80s reference. Uh, because I look so young, right? Well, didn't you, you would wear a tie to school too, I had right? to wear, yeah, I, I would dress like a young Republican. Yeah. Uh, I would get yelled at by the hall monitors. Get out of the, you're not supposed to be, mijo, <laughs> get out of the hallway. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so, yeah. And so I realized, so I tried to go in as an authoritarian and it just mm. wasn't, I, I was just a mean little cuss, you know? And, and you think that just because of the, what you had witnessed growing up? Yeah, yeah. What, what a teacher, teacher was supposed students. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and so I realized that this is not fun. This is not life-giving. So I had to change my whole persona. That's funny because I never knew that part of your... I don't think you and I have really talked about that introduction to your teaching career. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was... So I, so I had to realize if I'm going to survive this gig, uh, I need a new persona. Mm. And so, you know, I became the, the role of kind of... Conan O'Brien and the genie from Aladdin and, uh, the trickster guy. Yeah. Just kind of that, just keep him off, mm -hmm. off, uh, balance at all times kind of thing. And, and that what, shifted in education too, called quality schools. We got what, trained in that. What grade did you start in? Uh, eighth grade okay, teaching so eighth grade. School. Yeah. I did my student teaching in high school. Okay. And then, yeah. So, so I realized, yeah, so this had to be a partnership is what I'm trying mm. to say. This is a partnership. This is a dance. It's not a top down. It's not Moses on the mountain uh, giving tablets. This mm -hmm. is a, a mm -hmm. divine dance that you're doing with people. Dances require partners and partnership. And so that, so that's kind of where it, and so when we came out here, uh, because it already looked cult-like mm -hmm. people living together. So we had to really shy away from any kind of authoritarian kind of governance, you know, and, right. uh, and so I think the intentional breakthrough for us came when I went to my, when we went to our first, uh, Richard Rohr and Thomas Keating conference in 2007, which was on recovery. It was the, it was the 12 steps meet contemplation mm. and hearing Richard Rohr say, we're all addicted to our own thinking. Mm -hmm. And, and then, uh, Keating repeatedly saying, and in his writing, uh, we're all in the addictive process. Mm -hmm. So I realized, yeah, we're addicted to being right. Mm -hmm. And so this practice of centering prayer together uh, just kind of lent itself to training us how to listen to one another uh, at a deeper level and be more sensitive to those kinds of things. So, yeah. Well, it's funny too, because I, when I think about this idea of being right, um, it's like this idea of winning, right? Right. Yeah. You know, and there's that famous line, um, uh, is a movie called wall street. Greed is good. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that sort of connects directly to this idea of like, I'm right. Yeah. Know? So if I'm right, I win. And then if I win, I get the bigger paycheck and, and that's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if, yeah. if you're following, if you're following this, this popular culture thought exactly. about greed is good, not, not necessarily um well, yeah so we've spiritualized it right 
I'm right, you're wrong, mm. and therefore God is on my side. Mm-hmm. I'm biblical, you're not. You know, I'm orthodox, you're not. Well, and, you know. and it's not even, I mean, it's we in the sense of throughout history. Yeah, it's the human, you if, know? if you want to talk about an original sin, I think I was beating the crap out of Augustine the <laughs> last time we talked. Let's see. That. I don't know if it's in the order of podcasts or not. I'm but. trying to think which episode that was. This might publish before. Yeah. There's an episode that'll either air in November or December. <laughs> it was on J. Philip slam. Newell. J. Philip Newell, yeah. Okay, one. yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, but that if there ha- was, so that one will. Yeah, air if you were to one. identify an original sin that's common to the human race, it's this idea of I'm right and you're wrong, and I'll kill you if I to just I'll take how far will I take it you know to prove that I'm right and you're wrong well that's the whole story uh, of Cain and Abel right kind of thing. right exactly on a certain level so so there you are yeah it's this who will rescue us yeah mm-hmm. so the great ear <laughs> in the sky uh, um that was dumb sorry no 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 <laughs> that that's um I, I mean I think that's part of this this conversation is this you know going back to this idea of a consensus, you know, it, it, the example, um, that he foster laid out was, and we've talked about it briefly on this, on another episode, but I think it's important to revisit now, but the, this idea of democracy, right? Like the United States was, um, set up as a democracy, a Republic, but still, you know, where you get to vote, but you get 50.1% of the vote and you win. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when people are like, Oh, democracy is the best way to do it. An example I point out, it's like, well, democracy allowed slavery for hundreds of years in this country. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know, you know, sometimes democracy can be on the wrong side and, uh, he gave the example of the um, the Quakers and the the yeah. friends meeting um, far ahead of their time, yeah. giving their slave slave. Well, it was freedom, but they also started um, paying them and and things of that nature. Yeah, um, giving them wage at working wages and whatnot, and refusing to give um, business to anyone any anyone selling anything produced by slave labor. That and, kind of thing. Yeah, and so <laughs> I think. So what I'm getting at, the the roundabout way I'm going is that they use consensus. Yes. They didn't, they didn't, the, when I say they, I'm still talking about the Quakers, the friends meetings. They didn't just wake up one morning and say, okay, let's vote on this. You know, the church elders are going to vote on this. And it was 50, 51 to 49 or whatever. Right. No, it didn't happen that way. <clears throat> um, it took them many years as well. Right. Um, and so, so maybe you can, as you, as far as you understand it, um, and and we can either talk about this example specifically or just consensus in a general way, but um, your understanding of why consensus, when talking about these things, you know, we're talking about things of the spirit, but there it's also tangible in the world too, right? Like yeah, the yeah. slavery example is a very tangible example. So I don't know if you could elaborate on your your idea of consensus or things you've witnessed around consensus. Just just this idea of, of quite almost the opposite of democracy, right? Coming together as as a, as a team and everyone being on the same page. Yeah. We've had to 
follow uh the the Quaker model has been very helpful to us. So yeah, so you 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 uh do your practice together, you sit in silence together, you wait on the spirit to speak. Uh person A might say, Well, I think uh the spirit is leading this way, and person B might say, Well, I think the spirit's leading the opposite way. So then they have to ask the next question, which is then what is the spirit saying to all of us? And if and and yeah, so if we can't come to a decision, a unanimous decision on something, uh, hopefully, and we're, we're, we have the luxury of uh, putting it aside. Let's mm. let's come back together in two months. Let's come back together in three months, uh, and see how we feel about it then. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's a very slow and sloppy process, but uh, that's you know that's kind of an egalitarian way to do it. And you can't, yeah, and you can't run a nation that way. You can't run a state that way because the church is not a state. Yeah, yeah, right. So. And um, going back, so we're we're definitely, you know, and, the, and this just might be going back to the, you can't run a country or state this way, but we live in a time where it's like everything's got to be now, right? Where, yeah, where yeah. it's like if if a pay if a website takes. 10 seconds to load, then you, it's just like, oh, no, I don't need to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, media outlets have been saying since I started watching CNN during the first Gulf War, part one. Um, and was that before Rodney King? I can't, I was a little or OJ. kid. So around in that period of time, you know. So, so the Gulf War was definitely before OJ. So since then, so the 90s, early 90s, uh, I've heard it said by every media outlet with a reputation of being conservative or liberal or somewhere in between, mm-hmm. doesn't matter, that this coming election is the most important election <laughs> of your life. Your life depends on it. That's you know, funny. Kind of thing. Right, every yeah, year, yeah. every year, every year. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the spirit leads us to live counter, kind of counter and underneath mm-hmm. all of that. So. Well, I was just thinking too, and this is a much lower stakes idea, but sports reporter, sports reporters, and it's not just sports reporters, but I like sports, so that's my my context. Me too. Uh, they they're more interested in getting the tweet out, and it's maybe sixty percent right, than waiting five minutes and seeing what the actual story. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, yeah. It's more important for them for their industry to be the first to report something, even if it's kind of inaccurate yeah, yeah. than to wait 10 minutes and be the third or fourth person, but you're actually the first person reporting it correctly. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, there's an old, there's a movie called into great silence, I think, or into silence. Uh, and this filmmaker went into a, uh, a monastery, an ancient monastery mm. in the Alps. And, uh, I think it was the Carthusians if I, if I'm right. Uh, and it's a very old order, and there's only a few uh, there. And this filmmaker asked them, can I film your daily life of prayer? And, and these are a more uh, austere group. They're up in the Alps. It's, it's uh, very rustic there, and they don't speak. They spend something like, I think they speak once every month to each other. So mm-hmm. they, they take a vow of silence. And so it's, it's the hardcore. Right. Uh, one of those hardcore orders. Yeah, into great silence or or into silence. No, it's into great silence, okay. and it is uh, 
how did you pronounce it? Carthusen. That's correct yeah. as well. So and it's, and it's in France. So they uh, so the filmmaker approached them apparently, from my memory on the on the director's uh, commentary of the that shows what kind of a a geek I am that I watched it that much. Um, I remember that's how they would sell extra DVDs because you could get the the director's, <laughs> yeah, the director's cut, cut yeah. and commentary. We're just him you can watch it with it with the director talking over it. Uh, so anyway, he approached this group, the, the, these monks, and asked if he could film them. And they said, well, we'll get back to you. We don't know if we're ready. So they discerned it. And I think 10 years went mm, by. Wow. And then they said, yeah, you could come, but you can only bring one camera. And it has to be a handheld camera. Mm. Nothing. Nothing uh, on a dolly. Or any yeah, of those nothing that's going to disrupt our, our life of doing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Of sitting in silence. And so, uh, yeah, so I kind of like that. I admire that. That kind of resolve. They have a, a larger sense of time, in my opinion. Well, that's, I mean, that, and that kind of indirectly answers the question of what I was, you know, going to get at is this idea of spontaneity, not spontaneity, but now, right? We got to get it out now. And, yeah. and instead of them, you know, giving this, and this was a few decades ago, right? Yeah. yeah. But instead of them saying yes or no, you know, they had this greater idea. Um, of time, this uh, a different value around time. Yeah, exactly. Might be a good way to, yeah, to frame it. And you know, and the film ends. I don't want to spoil it. Uh. <laughs> if if you haven't listened to this, skip forward three minutes. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a documentary. Uh, but the end is very powerful because it shows a shot of a dying monk. He's in the infirmary and he's on his last breaths, and then it shows a young monk. Uh, it looks like he's probably in his very early twenties who just got there, you know, mm-hmm. to start this life. And and it shows their faces in tandem, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very powerful. One's leaving, one's just arriving mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah. It's amazing. Um, and now maybe to, to shift gears just a little bit and, um, we've been focusing on this idea of community, and, you know, even though I started the podcast out by saying, well, we got this idea of individualism and, blah, 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 you know, well, there is still an individual spiritual walk that's going on yeah, by each person. Right. And, and, um, for, I, I know for me personally, my individual walk is enriched by those communities around me, right. Whether it's desert rain the family, what, you know, whatever it is. Um, and how have you, how, how has guidance in your spiritual walk been useful for your, your spiritual evolution? Well, you know, just when you, when you have someone on uh, a third person, if you will, uh, they they often, especially if they're a little bit removed, they have a more observers, mm-hmm. uh, a keener observation than you or even the people closest to you. Mm-hmm. And so they'll often, uh, you know, I'll ask them. A lot of times these kinds of people won't tell you straight up, mm-hmm. you know, what they really think or what mm-hmm. they've observed. So I make a point to ask them, mm-hmm. uh, hey, you're, a, you're a, a more objective observer. What do you Mm-hmm. You know, are we doing this wrong? Are we doing that wrong? Uh, 
that that sort of thing. And so, uh, uh, you know, and and I've had, you know, pastors and elders will just tell me these are your giftings. This is what seems you seem to be gifted in, and mm. so why don't you go pursue that? Go be that, uh, you know, encouragement and that kind of thing, and a release from trying to be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've so I'm grateful for those kinds of voices in my youth, especially. Can you give an example of something you were released from of where you were trying to be something you weren't? Yeah. Uh, Ernie Nedia passed away a couple years ago. Uh, when we when he, he mentored me in church planting, uh, mm-hmm. he had planted a church. He had a year's experience of it, <laughs> but he, he was, his personality was so large yeah. that it seemed like he had 50 years experience. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and I was uncomfortable with this idea of salesmanship and, and uh, also known as evangelism. Mm. I just, it's just not my thing. You know, I feel very contrived, very artificial, very fabricated, uh, trying to convince someone to, to uh, convert to, to Christ. That's just mm-hmm. a, uh, it's just a foreign concept to me and it mm-hmm. just doesn't feel right. So I was confessing that to him and he said, bro, you're a mystic. That's who you've always been. Just be a mystic. That's what you are. Get the hell out of here. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that was, so that's an example. Yeah. So it was a release from that sort of thing. And then, you know, and then we kind of fell into, we were a community church. So we fell into just simply serving the community mm. around us uh, with no strings attached, you know, in the sense of we're not trying to get you to buy into our yeah to our thing, you know, but you're welcome. You're welcome to come here. Kind of that. And we're going to serve regardless if you come or not. Yeah, exactly. We're here for service. Yeah. You're, you know, and go about so, your you life know, as you see. And that sounds good, but, you know, people take advantage of you and it mm-hmm. sucks when that happens. You know, we were at an apartment complex when we first started meeting mm-hmm. and people would drop their kids off <laughs> to the daycare and go shopping or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, you know, not show up to our thing. And so, uh, you know, it sucked to be used, but, you know, it's part of it. Well, I was going to say that's when you're, if you're, oh, what's the word, devoted or your your uh, purpose is service, yeah, you're going to get of taken course. advantage of. Yeah, like so they're going to take advantage. Wow. <laughs> so, well, go serve anyway and shut up. You know, yeah. They're going to just use it on drugs. Really? Do you follow them? <laughs> When I was still drinking. Or is that just something you would do? <laughs> when I was still drinking, if someone said, oh, you can't give those people, that person money, they're homeless. They're just going to go use it on booze yeah. and drugs. It's like, well, I'm going to just use it on booze. So, yeah, exactly. You so. know, spread the wealth a little bit. <laughs> we can both get drunk. Um, well, and going back, I, I mean, just one thing before we get off this idea of being used, but one of the things that has helped me over the years, um, and it's usually not in the moment, it's usually days later, weeks yeah. later, months later, but it's, um, the hardest one for me is time. Like this one wastes my time. Right. But the other one that, that is, is sensitive to is, and for some reason I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with it is this around money. Um, but it's, you know, just coming to, it's like, it's not my money. It's like, I was, you know, it's God's money. It's God's yeah. time. It's God's, um, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like, especially with time. It's like, I don't know when I'm going to die. Right. So it's like, I might die tomorrow. So then it's like, you know, um, 
So it's really not on my terms anyway, as much as I like to think right, my right. time is on my terms. And, um, you know, and, and so especially when I'm getting in this mind of service, it's like, this is, this is just in my mind, this is what God has me doing. Um, if I get taken advantage of, I get taken advantage of, if it doesn't go quote unquote my way, you know, and, th- and this is all very easy to say on a podcast, right? It's not yeah, yeah. in practice. It's not as easy, but it, it, it's something that I've, um, cultivated for, and I don't, and I know I didn't cultivate it myself. I've had conversations with people around this stuff. Right. And, um, so just, you know, just shifting into that, that like, okay, what is, what is this God, this higher power, this Christ light within me, you know, what is mine to do? Right. right. And, and if I'm following that path that the Christ light is having me do, then it's really not up to me. Right. If I get yeah. taken advantage of or not, um, and I can get pissed off about it, but how, you know, what good is that going to do in the yeah, long run yeah. too? You know, and think of it this way too. Uh, this might be a shifting of gears, but you know, in the, in the, in the Christian scriptures, you see th- basically three models of authority and guidance mm. and, tr- and, and church structure. Uh, like I said, most people th- communicate that there was this if we could just get back to the way it the was good old acts, days <laughs> well it wasn't you know acts isn't necessarily even a historical book so okay uh luke is not exactly historical uh it breaks people's heart to know there was never a census in the roman oh Empire right 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 that. They, they get their little theological panties in a wad uh, <laughs> when and it's just the facts you know yeah um you can actually go back and see that there was yeah. no census <laughs> and so so, but anyway, you have these three models. One is is uh, uh, you, to tie it to a person. It would be a, the Peter's model, uh, Saint Peter the mm-hmm. Apostle, which is a, a high. You know, it's a high. Uh, I'm like, what's hierarchy. It's a hierarchy. Okay. What am I trying to say here? It's a top down. Okay. Uh, on this rock, I will build my church. You mm. know, seriously doubt Jesus ever said that. <laughs> Peter's people said that. And Peter, uh, Peter's the one that's considered the first pope. Right, right? exactly, okay. yeah. And so, yeah, so the Roman church especially claims mm-hmm. that. Right. And guess what? They're still around. Uh, right, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. <laughs> they won the quote-unquote yeah. war. <laughs> and when they, uh, in, the, in 1960, when they gathered, uh, it was a, it was called, there was a radical looking at themselves, called and they called it Vatican II. It was a, because the first Vatican was interrupted by... <laughs> I, uh, uh, the Italians, uh, storming, the- storming the Vatican. So the That's first amazing. act of Vatican two was to close Vatican one. Uh, oh, cause they never and, even closed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They, had they, their, they had to grab the, the crowns and the money bags and the art and get the hell out of there, you know? <laughs> and then the Swiss guard came and, and saved their asses. Okay. And that's why you have the Swiss guard today still dressed oh, that's that interesting. way. Yeah. It's I a was, tradition now. Yeah. When I was there a few years ago, I was like, why the Swiss guard thing is so yeah, weird to me. They're the one and I meant were, to look it up, but it's, yeah, there's, I guess some mercenaries who should <laughs> Well, they knew who had the money. Yeah, like we got to go protect them, man. Yeah, pay exactly. Us well. They got, uh, they got, they got bank accounts with us. So anyway, uh, it's like our modern day Blackwater. It's like, yeah, just send mercenaries. Yeah, to the exactly. East. We'll pay well. security. <laughs> yeah. So 1960, they have this radical transformation of restructuring of the Catholic Church, uh, 
And they invited, you know, Protestants to observe. Mm. And these Protestants were kind of smug. And t- I forget which cardinal it was. I think it was a, I don't remember. But they, they said, are you, are you uh, uh, afraid of, of losing your whole church through this? It's all going to crumble. He, they asked this to the to Protestant? some cardinal. Yeah, the Protestants asked okay. this cardinal that. Oh, oh I see. And the cardinal said, "No, we've been trying to destroy ourselves for centuries. <laughs> <laughs> we do a fine job this at doing that. New. Somehow, God keeps us together." So, uh, I forgot what my point was. So, yeah, so so that model is still around, is what I'm trying to say. Right, you we're talking about Orthodox. Peter, right? The different biblical and uh, and so then the second one would be. Uh, uh, the Paul's model, Pauline uh, is what they call it, uh, which are these more charismatic kinds of churches. Okay. So they're small, uh, and it's based on function and giftings. Mm. You see the modern charismatic movement very much like that. Some of the earlier uh, evangelical churches were that way. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, success and, and numbers, Prestige. And money changes mm. it. Early Methodists were totally that way, mm. uh, and so so it's yeah so it's based on giftings and functions, uh, and and you know it's, it's so it's kind of has some wildness to it you know yeah. it has some spontaneity yeah. but then you see this third and and that model is still around we can mm-hmm. point to it and see it around and then there's the third which is the uh, Johannine or John which is egalitarian in his little epistles they're really small first john second john and third john in the in the christian scriptures and it says don't call anyone your master don't call anyone your teacher don't call anyone your father uh so there's this egalitarian model and those churches failed very quickly and i'm not saying i'm i'm not saying you shouldn't do that model and that's therefore it's right, wrong right, 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 i'm right. saying that's how difficult it is yeah there's this this right. spiritual discipline of guidance it's it's not an easy thing uh, it takes it takes some great uh, perseverance and a lot of time is what I'm trying to say. And modern Quakers would be an example of yeah. of that Johannine and 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 probably more like uh, you know the Bruderhof I would guess and other mm. of these uh, what we call peace churches. Mm. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And if you haven't had the opportunity to um, go hang out and and go to some Quaker meetings, I highly recommend that. Well, it's like I, I asked you years ago. I asked you, well, how's the Quaker meeting you're going to? And you were very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, here in Crucis, I went for a while. And then in, uh, when I lived in Philly, I went for a while. And it, it just, it, yeah, just a different, it's it's hard to articulate. Um, but it, it's a really beautiful way of, of coming together and, and um you know, worshiping or however you want to. You've got the beard wanna, to be a Quaker. I do. There you go. I've gotten two compliments on my beard recently. By Quakers? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. That would be top, you know, top tier. <laughs> a Mennonite or a Quaker yeah. to come up to you and compliment your beard. That's top tier. Um, so I wanted to shift gears. We're, we we still got a good amount of time, but I, I did want to get in um, this idea. So a spirit, one of the things that, Foster really lays out in a uh, in a really good way, in my opinion, is this uh, the spiritual director. Oh yeah, yeah, or like we've referred to it many times, the Anamkara. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And so if 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 you want to do a deep dive, well, it's not even a deep dive. It, it's a deep dive. I think in in a 
uh, what did we do? We modeled this this thing, this Anamkara, this spiritual direction type thing you and I did. And it's episode 17. It's called the Anamkara Way. Yeah. Um, it's 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 probably for me personally one of my favorite episodes. Um so anyways, maybe you could just sort of lay out the the two or three minute pitch of of what's your understanding of a of a spiritual director um or you know an autumnkara is the, the I just keep using that because that's the terminology you and I have right, used yeah. throughout these podcasts many times yeah uh it's it could be a formal relationship or an informal and it's someone that you approach uh to to dive into questions spiritual questions and formations that you're working on uh, and so and they simply are gifted hopefully gifted in asking the right questions mm-hmm. and listening to you uh that's that's kind of uh what a spiritual director uh does and and you know merton gives an example or or foster gives an example of merton okay right uh giving another example of right, an ancient right, right. monk who was uh a russian monk was chided by his superiors because mm. he was uh spending too much time talking to a peasant woman about her her, her turkeys, her turkeys right? yeah. and that was the spiritual direction and 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 he was like well it's turkeys all the way down uh it's all about the turkeys and that reminded me james finley uh, one of my teachers in the living mm-hmm. school at the Center for Action and Contemplation uh, met with Thomas Merton for spiritual direction in the 60s mm-hmm. uh, at Gethsemane at the monastery there. And Merton would, uh, F- Finley wanted to talk about which uh, which room was he in in the mansions of St. Teresa of Avila, you know, the... the <laughs> Finley wanted to talk to Merton about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Merton kept wanting to just talk about the pigs that uh, Finley was in charge of taking care of. Mm. Like, what are their names? What, is it, what do they do? That kind of thing. And, and so so it could be a very tricky kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, because uh, it's, it's a lot of times it'll be a conversation about a third thing that really is about mm. the thing, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And so a skilled spiritual director would do that. Um, so, yeah. Well, and I think um, it was very interesting to me. And I don't, I can't lay, lay out exactly what he said, but um, he, Foster laid out this idea of like almost requirements, right? Of what a spiritual director should have. Because he he, he does mention this idea that, you know, like we went to in this, submission episode that you know you got to watch out for authoritarianism you got to watch out for manipulation you got to watch out and he's not even saying like if i'm going to look for a spiritual director you got to watch out for that it was more if you're going to be a spiritual director or if you find yourself in a spiritual director role these are the things you need to be wary of yeah that was very tricky when i was a pastor of a congregation interesting yeah because i had to be aware of that for myself uh, am I just, is it, I had to, to be aware of my own agenda for them to, to attend my, and be a, participate in my church, mm. if that makes any sense. Of course. And so, so that had to be, you know, or, or if they were already in the church that I wanted them to, you know, participate Keep. in some level or, mm. you know, 
whatever, some capacity, which, which might be right in some ways. They needed an opportunity, but I need to be very aware of that, of the trickiness of that, of my ulterior motives. Uh, so coming out here simplified that for me and, in that sense. And this kind of goes back to that idea of evangelism that, you know, that example you gave with um, Mr. Nedia. So how did you walk that? How were you able to walk that line of being approached by people in your congregation for spiritual direction and checking your motives at the door? Yeah. Was there any specific things you did or any, you know, like lessons learned from a specific event that uh, ended up being super helpful? I can't, I can't remember any specific like okay. teachable moments that kicked my, really kicked yeah, yeah. my ass. But what did kick our asses was uh, Marshall and I met with people together most of the time during that, those right. days. And most of the time it was because of, uh, it was for marital mm. difficulties. So that was very hard. So, so it seemed like every marriage in the church was failing. Mm -hmm. And so, so we were just discouraged, you know, and, mm. uh, Oh, because you and Marshall were meeting with them. Right, and yeah. Then we're just trying to breathe oh, life into their marriage. Yeah, and, okay, okay. and then we also had to realize some of them needed to get divorced. Right. And that was a very hard reality for us. Okay. Uh, these people should not be together. Uh, it's the mercy of God that they would divorce, you mm -hmm. know. And, and so that caused us, obviously, some dogmatic issues that we had. I was going to say, that's yeah. kind of counterintuitive to some of the dogs. Right. And here is this reality facing us. And so there was that, uh, there were situ there were some, was, it, was there ever situations where you just told a, a couple straight up <laughs> like, yeah, you guys should I think probably, so. Yeah, yeah. Because they were, yeah, there was violence involved on yeah. both ends and we were just like, you need to get apart. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. You. And there were some comical ones where, uh, the, I remember one where the husband, uh, coerced, kind of coerced his wife into, meeting with us mm. for their marital difficulties. And he honestly was trying to get us to fix her. <laughs> and so the entire conversation, when it shifted about five minutes into it, we realized he was the cause of most yeah, of yeah, these yeah. problems. It was so... He was ready to go. Yeah. And his <laughs> wife loved us at that point. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Because his wife was a very... Uh, prof she was a professional woman, uh, self-reliant. Uh, she didn't really need him <laughs> right? in any way. Uh, it, you know, I don't mean to be rude, but it just looked like he was uh, a liability to mm. her life. <laughs> and, uh, As a lot of men are to their wives. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and she... Hence, hence why I'm still single. <laughs> <laughs> and she was able to think for herself. She's very accomplished, very smart, you know. And so, you know, when I was preaching on Sundays, I would kind of see it in her eyes. She's like, I'm not buying this. <laughs> but after that, she was like, yeah, I, I, I can, I, I can, uh, get on board. I can get on board with this, yeah. this little man. So anyway, uh, so there was stuff like that. Uh, I forgot where I was heading with it. So most of it was just trying to help people tread water. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other thing we learned is that, uh, especially in the pastoral sense, people are going to do what they're going to do anyway. Mm -hmm. They've already made up their mind. Yeah. And so really it's, uh, so I gave up trying to convince them. Otherwise yeah. I'll just show them these are your options that I can see as best as I can see from my own experience, from what I've read. Uh, you should definitely go get a second, a third, uh, mm -hmm. a professional opinion as well, a therapist. But this is, these are the options I see before you mm -hmm. and it's your responsibility to choose 
the one that you you know you've already decided. I didn't, I've never said that to of anybody, course, of course, but they yeah. have decided that. Yeah, and then I, and even as a spiritual director, I've had people come with that guys, but what they were really trying to do was just uh, to find an alibi uh, to their crime, like a, like a loophole. Yeah. To yeah. try to get me to say, yeah, you should leave your wife and, oh. uh, and, and continue to see this other woman kind of thing. And you should, you know. you're right. Yeah. You, you did a good job cheating on your wife with this yeah. mistress. And he's trying to get God to sign off on the <laughs> right, bullshit. Of course. You know? So that, that's definitely happened. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's, that's one of the epiphanies I've had, you know, I, I've never really had, a role as a spiritual director, so to speak, but, you know, sort of in the recovery world coming to that realization that people, you know, mostly have made up their mind yeah, when they're yeah. talking to you about something. And, you know, I, I can just, I can just say, you know, I can just tell people what's worked for me. And I, you know, and I even like some of the, you know, one of the, you know, a common example, like I'm not going to give a specific example, but you know, people that are married or have kids, I don't, I can't really tell you shit cause I don't have any kids. Right. I'm not married. So it's like, I don't, our lives are very different in that way. Like I yeah. can, I can talk to you about what I've done to stay sober, but my life is also very different where I don't have the responsibility of, of taking care yeah. of my kids and, um, you know, maintaining a marriage, you know, and all of this. And it's like, so it's like, you know, even my advice can be, you know, can be lacking there and, and yeah. go talk to someone that has a wife and has kids and, has stayed sober, you know what I mean? And find out what that, what that looks like in their life. And, yeah. and even then, oh my gosh, excuse me. Even then it's going to look different than what you can do because they're situated in such a way yeah. and you're situated in such a way. So, and it, you know, I've, I've gotten enough, enough mileage now to realize also, uh, that there are many options. And so if someone approaches me, um, after, you know, a conversation, I might, I have a wider discernment of what they might be needing at this time in their lives. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, they don't even need a spiritual director. Uh, they just need a, a, a spiritual friend, right. a pastoral care, which is just simply saying to remind them, you're going to get through this. Yeah. You're getting through this. Uh, you know, and they're, and that's usually when they're in some sort of crisis or trauma, yeah. uh, a spiritual director would be someone that needs to do the mainly, not always, but most of the time they have to do the work of, uh, of transformation, which is mm -hmm. the, the dissolution of their ego, uh, the, the diminishment of their spiritual self, so mm -hmm. to speak. And that's not a fun conversation. Uh, and then the third might be, uh, they need a therapist. They actually need yeah. therapy, you know, yeah. uh, and they might even need medication mm -hmm. for that. And so the, and then another one might be, they need a life coach. They need someone mm -hmm. to build up their life and build up their ego mm -hmm. and build up their, uh, you know, their, uh, their value, so to speak, and their, and their skill set mm -hmm. and all that. A spiritual director doesn't do that. We're, right. we're here to tell you, you're not your, your skill set. Right. Uh, and then they may need a, 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 a sponsor in recovery. So mm -hmm. there's, so there's all that, there's a wide range mm -hmm of things that people might need, uh, when they approach you. And, and I, and I feel secure enough to not be all of those. Well, I, and I don't think anyone should be all those. No. Well, in, in the pastoral, since oh, they do think I that, see, right, right, right. yeah, I your average you're pastor yeah, 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 yeah. thinks they have to be the answer yeah, to follow, all of that. Yeah, follow you. Okay. And it's not a good, it's a, it's a toxic situation yeah, as a yeah. result. So, 
Yeah, so we learned early on because of our situations in the in the congregational world mm-hmm. in the '90s. Our our marriages were so bad uh, in our church. They were mostly young married people, and they were just in their deep conflict and and uh, dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, that we started uh, referring them to a therapist. Yeah. Uh, and, and felt comfortable doing that. Right. It felt right, you know. Yeah. And it was scandalous, uh, but that was a scandalous thing for pastors to do at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, but I, because I can, the Bible, I can imagine. Bible reading and prayer and just coming to our church is the answer right. to the problems in Someone your Someone can just, just, like, no, just lay hands on you and you'll be healed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't go yeah, and more prayer and more Bible reading is not going to, they might help some ways, mm-hmm. but they're not. So to realize that, that was a big, thing to realize when I think that's connected to one of one of the profound things that that I took away and it's it's obvious but it's also profound is uh Foster talked about to be a spiritual director means you you must also be doing the interior work yeah um to do that and and I think that's an example of having the humility to be like oh this this is you know not not in a demeaning way but this is beyond our pay grade yeah. Go talk to a therapist. You know what I mean? And 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 in a very um real and supportive way. You know, it's yeah. not even like a di- dismissive, like, oh yeah, yeah, just go talk, you know, go talk to the right. it's like, well, I hear what you're saying. We've met. I there's only so much I can do to help you. Right. They, this might, you know, the next step might be uh therapy, you know. Yeah. And so that's um an interesting thing. Uh, we are getting pretty close to time, but so I just wanted to see if there was anything else, uh, whether it's the communal sense or um, the Anamkara sense, just anything else in and around guidance uh, that was on your your heart or heart or mind that you would like to add on. No, I you know I think if you're in a a seeking mode and a listening mode of your life, I think the you know, the guide, the guide will appear to you, mm-hmm. you know, it might be someone's guidance. Uh, it might be a, a group or it might be an individual. It might be someone that's not even alive, uh, you know, with us right now, you know, right. uh, might be, uh, Omar, you know, well, who's Omar? Don't worry about Omar. Omar's not with <laughs> us anymore. Uh, <laughs> and you know, and the, and the mystics are trying to speak to you, you know, in that sense, guide you, uh, the way Virgil guided Dante through the underworld, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, it's that idea too is very fitting on, you know, uh, the Astillus Martos and all saints day. Yeah. Yeah. That, this won't come out until the end of November, but we're recording this at the beginning of November. And so knowing those saints and those guides and those, um, those people that have crossed yeah. the threshold before us, the way, um, uh, George MacDonald guided CS Lewis through, <laughs> through, uh, the heavenlies. Uh, beautiful dude. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Good. Sounds uh, good. Good episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Desert Rain Community Radio. Um, as always, thank you, Jacob. Uh, that's what you hear in the background with Monk Drums. Uh, thank you, Danny West. And uh, once again, uh, to get a copy of David's book, Desolate Beauty, The Book of Light and Shadow, uh, go to Dreamwalker Way dot com and uh, purchase it there so uh, thanks again david thank you